another episode of journey from infertility it's Lindsay. um i hope you guys had a an amazing week um i want to get into this episode for this week i kind of want to give you a couple of little factoids about um pregnancy after loss and actually talk to you about my story about my rainbow babies so um i just wanted to let you guys know that last week was it was heavy but i did want to try to you know, lighten up the mood just a tiny bit. Um, I did want to share a couple of facts with you guys. Um, I do go on this website um, that's called pregnancyafterlosssupport.org um, and they all have all these um, different ways that you can get support, you can get involved. Um, but I did want to share a couple of things for you. So here in the United States, one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. Hear me again. One in four pregnancies end in a miscarriage and then one in 160 pregnancies end in stillbirth so these numbers do not include infant death from preterm labor diagnosis of life-limiting conditions or SIDS which is sudden infant death syndrome Uh, a subsequent pregnancy is common for these women within the first year following a loss 50 to 80 percent of women experience perinatal loss Um, become pregnant again after 12 to 18 months after their loss. Um, Education through awareness can promote health during subsequent pregnancies and ensure safe and healthy deliveries. After a pregnancy loss or infant death, many will experience grief, confusion, anxiety, guilt, and fear of loss in the subsequent pregnancy. Knowledge that there are resources available and others to turn to for compassion and guidance is an important aspect in the journey of healing during a subsequent pregnancy. Women who are pregnant again after loss are at an increased risk for perinatal and postpartum mood and anxiety disorders, even after having a successful subsequent pregnancy and birth. Women who are pregnant again after loss report having higher symptoms of anxiety and depression during their subsequent pregnancy compared to those who have not experienced a previous loss. Recognition of pregnancy after loss will enable individuals and communities to further meet the needs of the bereaved mothers, fathers, and other members of the family as they continue to grieve and heal while embracing the gift of new life. And studies show that fathers are also affected by emotional stress of a subsequent pregnancy. So I wanted to share these with you because, again, like I first said, one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage and one in 160 pregnancies end in stillbirth. I've dealt with both miscarriages and I've dealt with a stillbirth. stillbirth. So, you know, I am that one person and I know I'm not the only other one person who's going through that as well. So I wanted to share my story about... um, how we even got to my rainbow baby stage so it's that middle portion of what I want to talk about so after losing Isaiah I you know went through this funk like shortly maybe a couple of months after I lost Isaiah I got pregnant again um that was probably maybe six months or so that I had this pregnancy it was a very early pregnancy I didn't even know I was pregnant and went to the doctor's office you know they just told me that it was a early miscarriage and and I would pass it on my own which I did so I you know passed that pregnancy on my own like 
Anywho. So months later, well, no, actually years later down the line, you know, I got in a relationship with my now husband and we had got to the point that we were, we weren't trying, but it came unexpectedly in a point that we were grieving. So the same time that his daughter was grieving the loss of her mother, I had actually suffered a miscarriage at that point. So it was doing two losses at the same time. So just lost the mother to his, his youngest child. And then we're losing a child at the same time. So it was a lot of grief going on at that point. So that was in 2014. In 2015, found out again that I was pregnant. So, you know, I was just going out, had to a party and I just wasn't feeling good. And then all of a sudden I just felt this pop and I told, you know, I told my husband, Anthony, or my boyfriend at the time, Anthony, I told him, I was like, I don't really feel good. I, you know, I'm just I'm cramping, cramping, cramping. So we, I guess we just need to go home. So we left the party, went home. The pain never stopped. So it was to the point that I was like, okay, I need to go to the emergency room because this pain is just like, it's unbearable because the pain just kept getting worse. So go to the hospital and come to find out. I'm pregnant. On top of the fact, I find out it's an ectopic because they're saying, okay, well, we don't see a sack. I was probably maybe four or five weeks pregnant at that point. And, you know, so it was just, like I said, it's in the middle of the night. Nobody knows what's going on. So we have to get up. Um, I call my parents and let them know. And I wound up having to go and have surgery. This is emergency surgery. Go and have surgery. They remove you know, the scar tissue on my tube and, you know, going through the motions. I had this doctor, you know, I, she worked in my practice, didn't too much care for her. I never really had her as a physician as maybe like just in bypass, like if somebody's out or something like that, I really didn't have too many conversations with her. It was always probably like lab work results or something like that. Whoop-de-whoop. And the first time I encountered her, she was really crash and she said you know you're like one of a million like most people die from this and all these things that she kept saying and it was just it was never good bedside manner with her so the first time that we had that encounter you know I just I brushed it off but then come the second time now this time I was actually in Augusta I was on a job assignment I was working and I just I wasn't feeling good again same scenario like okay well I'm just I'm having these bad cramps I'm not feeling good I can't take it you know I'm coming home and I call Anthony and I'm telling him like I just don't feel good and then I get home and this whole same scenario starts again like I feel this pain I was like it feels like it the same thing that happened back in April like let me let's just go let me go to the doctor find out that I'm pregnant again and this time it's even more serious to the point that I've now damaged my tube and that they have to remove it. So they go to do that and they go in to remove my tube. And somehow one of my fallopian tubes had got attached to the back of my uterus this time. I had cyst on that same um, tube or I had cysts on my tube and on my ovary. And that was what caused the pop the first time. And 
they, I guess they didn't pay attention. I don't know if she overlooked it, whatever the case may be. And we get back to the same scenario. Like after my surgery, she's talking to my mom, she's talking to my husband and she's telling them like, once again, you know, it's pretty much like lightning strikes twice. Like most people don't ever come back for this. You know, it's never like you'll, she'll never, ever have, she'll never have kids again. Um, not on her own. If anything, she'll have to go through IVF treatment or you have to get a surrogacy and that would just be done with it. You know, she's still young. It can still happen. But the thing about it is, is that this is something that apparently you don't, you read my chart, you know what I'm going through, you know what I've been through. So why would you tell them something like this? And I wish I still had the recording of her you know, because they recorded it for me to keep um, at that time because they, you know, I was still out of it just in case something was missing. You know, they were able to tell me what was going on. And so after she told me that, I hung on to her words for years. And like as much as I kept trying and trying and trying, like it was not until... 2017 until I got pregnant again so by that point like I just really I got fed up I had started a new job I had um just pretty much given up at that point um there was a hospital that's close to me that uh had a grief center that I just just so happened to stumble upon one day and I had been going back and forth with them for a couple of months and it was actually across the street from my job so I worked at one hospital and then this hospital was actually across the street so I started you know talking to the grief counselors there and you know just mosing up some conversation and then just one day I just I know I just I flat out broke down and I called them I said I just you know I'm done I, I can't take this anymore I'm tired you know I just want some closure Maybe I should just get a second opinion because my doctor's office was just not, you know, not being helpful with me in what I wanted anymore. I had been going to this OBGYN office since I was in high school. And so the the words that resonated with my husband at that time was, you know, you can't heal in the place that made you sick. And so I felt that I needed to get out of this office. I needed to go somewhere else and get another opinion. And so I went and walked across the street. I met the counselor in one of the gardens down there. And I let her know, you know, my situation is that I, I really just want to see if I can get another opinion in regards to this and, you know, get some closure, some definite closure. Like if somebody else tells me this, then okay, then I'll accept it at that point. I'll fully accept it. I'll never have kids on my own. You know, IVF is expensive. I, you know, I have this you know, at the job, the job I was at at the time, they did infertility treatments and stuff like that. So I wanted to just go ahead and get this closure. So she referred me to a physician who was actually down the street across from the, from the other hospital, from where we worked at. And I set up an appointment. So, you know, I told them that, you know, I want to start over. I want to see what's going on. He set me up for a Salping, uh, I think it's Salpinga O'Graph or whatever it is. So this, they shoot this dye into your tubes to see if they're blocked. Um, see if they'll be able for you to be able to have a pregnancy with you. Did the procedure, 
came out and he told me, he said, well, your tube is completely blocked. And of course you only have one and you know, this isn't, you won't be able to carry on your own, but I'm going to get you pregnant. And that was the only hope that I needed to hear from him. I'm going to get you pregnant. And then I just left it alone. I had never been back to the doctor after I got those results. And, you know, we hadn't even started any treatment. I hadn't looked into any IVF or anything like that. And then even by that time, I had switched jobs again. So I had moved to my current job now. And, you know, just starting over, I had been there six months. And literally one day, you know, my period comes on like clockwork. It never fails. Every 28 days, it shows up, it comes, I cramp, and then it's it's on flow time. So I get to the point that I'm like, okay, my period is supposed to come today. I'd been cramping, 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 and I hadn't felt anything. And then I, uh, I spotted, no, just no TMI, but I spotted a little bit that day. And then nothing came and uh, like I said it literally comes like clockwork and so I said well let me just wait it out so I waited a, a day or so nothing I waited another day nothing I'm like okay what's going on and not in my mind I was like I can't be pregnant they told me I couldn't have I couldn't I couldn't get pregnant so I went ahead I left work because I was so adamant at that time. I was like, okay, I got to find this out. So I went and bought a pregnancy test. Came back to work. Took the pregnancy test. It was positive. And I was like, no, 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 no. But I bought extra ones. So I was like, okay, maybe this is a joke. I don't know how my mind could tell me that something like this was a joke at this kind of time. And so I waited until the next morning. And I took two more. And of course, I bought the clear blue one. So it was clear as day. Pregnant. Pregnant. So I had three positive pregnancy tests and I couldn't even wait to, to tell my husband, like, like we're pregnant. And he was like, what? I said, we're pregnant. And so I don't know if it was maybe, I think I called probably like that same, that following week, I called the doctor's office and I called him. I said, I'm, I just had three positive confirmations um, I'm nervous because of course the first thing that triggers in my mind is, Oh my God, am I going to lose this, this baby? Uh, it's been two years since I've even had a pregnancy, no idea that this was going to go on. So I'm scared and I'm very frightful and I'm like, okay, so I called the nurse. I left a message. They called me back and they hadn't pulled my chart up yet. And so the nurse that I'm talking to, she's just She's like, oh my goodness, this is just taking so long. So we're just having just some, some kind banter. And I'm telling her like, I'm freaking out. Like I need to make an appointment. She was like, honey, just hold on. Let me see the computer to come up. And then she looked at my chart and she said, how are you pregnant if your tube is completely blocked? And she's looking at the, you know, she's looking at the procedure images and she's seeing that it's completely blocked. So she's not understanding, you know, why am I telling her that I'm pregnant? When my doctor just told me six months ago that my tube was completely blocked, that I, would, I wouldn't be able to have kids. She said, yeah, I need you to come in for an appointment. So I came in, I did the blood test, um, and then I think I went back maybe a couple of days later and did another blood test. And I think I went back another 
maybe another week or so and I had another blood test. So they just wanted to make sure that my levels were going up and they were. So they scheduled me an appointment for eight weeks out so I can do my first ultrasound. And that first ultrasound, I got there, I cried. Because it was still there. Like, there's still a, a bean in there. And every appointment after that was me holding my breath. And that's the only way that I can describe it is because even with me telling my parents, you know, I'm pregnant. They're like, what? You're pregnant? I'm pregnant. And so it was just such a stressful time for me because every day I worried, will this be the last day that I know that I'm carrying my child? So the days go on, the weeks go on, the months go on. So I'm going to these appointments, get to the point now I'm at my appointment, 20 week, hubby's gone, going with me to the appointments and we find out it's a girl. He was adamant that it was a boy. It's a girl. And you know, go through pregnancy, keep going through. These weeks keep coming every week, every week, every week. I'm going to these appointments. And then it gets to the point now that I have to go to these appointments almost every week. I'm having to do NSTs and do ultrasounds every week. So I'm going to the doctor twice a week, literally twice a week, every week. So about around the 30 week mark, um, my uh, blood pressure starts going up. Um, and even then in the midst of this, I did find, I found out prior to that, that I had gestational diabetes, the most depressing thing I could ever think of. So of course my diet had to change completely. Everything had to be done to a point that I had to monitor everything I ate. I had to keep a diary. I had to pick my finger five times a day, morning, noon, and night in between lunches, everything. And then I got to the point that it was getting closer to that time. So around the 30, 31 week mark, I started having these high blood pressures. And so they start, it was slowly creeping up. So it was something mild at first, then it kept going up and it kept going up. And then that year was the year that they had the, that total eclipse that happened during the daytime, the total solar eclipse or whatever so I go into the office that day that day I happened to go to the appointment by myself and I'd really been going to the appointments by myself because it's always it was always closer for me to just leave from work instead of making my husband come drive all the way across the world because I just it didn't dawn on me to do something like that and that day my blood pressure was 155 over 120 it was at a stroke level so they sent me over to the hospital I had to get admitted I was in there for about three days so I had to do all these urine tests um they had to monitor my levels you know monitor the baby make sure everything was okay so I was in the hospital for three days so I went in that Monday I get out Wednesday they scheduled me for an appointment I had to keep my appointment that Thursday for my usual appointment and my blood pressure was up again so they told me, hey, you know what, just go over to the hospital. Um, but that day I didn't immediately go. I went home, got a bag, and, you know, I just, I went to the hospital. And that was the last time that I had been out of the, the hospital. I was admitted and I had to stay in the hospital until I delivered, pretty much. So I was on bed rest. I couldn't do anything. I had to be on this special diet, of course, because I had gestational diabetes, I lost weight while I was in there. 
Um, so I had to just absorb this new normal life of me being in the hospital, which I hated. I hated hospitals. I hate the way they smell, but I felt taken care of. And so I didn't have any problems with anything. Um, so I started monitoring the baby and they're saying that my, my creatine levels are going up and, you know, they were trying to wait at least until I got to about 37 weeks, but I don't think I made it. I think I was about maybe 36 35, 36 weeks when I delivered and, um, they induced my labor that Sunday night. They gave me a pill. I woke up that next morning. They gave me the other half of the pill. Mind you, the pill is probably the size of probably half of my nail that they had to cut in half to induce my labor. And that morning, um, my husband had with work. He said, okay, well, I'll be back. Because uh, he works at a hospital as well. So he's an essential employee. So he had to go. And he went. He left. My dad came. And so as the morning progressed, my labor pain started. And I had never experienced this like this in my life. It was the worst thing. And they would not give me an epidural until I got to a certain point. So that by that morning, I think I was probably like two or three centimeters. The day progressed. Probably about my dad got there and probably about 10 o'clock, I was about five centimeters. By the time it was almost 11 o'clock, I was at like eight centimeters. And then the baby started going into distress. So I had to actually wind up going into an emergency C-section. Um, so I've never, I just remember the, the, my midwife coming in at the time. She was like, okay. You know, the baby's heart rate is dropping. Yours um, blood pressure is starting to go up at this point. So we are going to have to go and to do um, an emergency C-section. My husband, I got there at that point. My mother was trying to get there at that point because she had a doctor's appointment that day. So it literally turned into a whirlwind. I had never seen so many people come into a room at one time. It scared me to death. And I want to tell this story because this You know, people don't expect, you know, people expect, you know, things to go a certain way. Like I was for sure that I was going to be able to have my baby. I was going to deliver, deliver her naturally. There was going to be, you know, like music and all things. None of that happened. Literally the moment that they said emergency C-section, like my mind just went completely blank and I just bust out into tears. I just, I could not believe that I'm about to be rolled into a surgical operating room to get my baby out so by the time that they got the epidural in prepped me for surgery gave me my uh, gave me my cap and we were rolling to the OR so I, I again I literally had no clue that this was going to happen like this way today so finally she gets here it was 12 34 on August 29 2017 that Lauren was born and it was the most amazing day of my life but it was so sad for me later on because of course I just had major surgery I had been on a medication to monitor and to manage my preeclampsia also so when I got back into my room I could not hold my baby I could not keep my baby with me by myself so for the first 24 hours I could not hold my baby without somebody being in the room with me at all. I could not be alone with the baby 
none of that because I was on um, a really strong dosage of morphine and I was on another medication as well. I don't remember what it was, but it was to the point that I could not have my baby with me alone. And so like the next couple of days were really like a blur for me. It was the most pain wrenching I had ever felt um, with that C-section. They want you to get up and move in within a certain amount of time. And it's usually within like the first 24 hours after that, they want you to get up. They want you to move. They want you to be able to try to, you know, use the bathroom on your own, stuff like that. And I just was not ready. I was in so much pain that I never experienced anything like that in my life. It it hurt so bad. And, you know, she gets here. She's fine. She's beautiful. And, you know, preparing to go home. My actual job had to actually come and do a consult on her because I work for a cardiology, um, a pediatric cardiology clinic. And so I had to wait for them to actually check on her because she had a heart murmur. And it was just, I was like, oh, I'm, I feel like I'm one of, I feel like one of our patients that I usually have to take care of. I was like, I'm waiting on a doctor. I'm waiting to go home. And I didn't even get to go home until, you know, a little bit, I think it was Labor Day weekend that I finally was able to go home. I think it was that Saturday or that Sunday that I actually got to go home. Um, And it was just a a crazy experience. But with my second rainbow baby, it was nothing like that pregnancy. That pregnancy, I was calmer. Um, I did not have any, I didn't have gestational diabetes. I did not have preeclampsia. I didn't have any high blood pressure issues. I had no problems with this pregnancy. Now with her, the conversation that I had, I was having a conversation with a coworker and, you know, we were talking about, oh, having, she was like, when are you going to have another baby? And I said, girl, no, not right now. Like if I, uh, if I had to, it would really be something serious. Like for me to be like, if I found out that I was pregnant again, I would cry. Literally, probably about two weeks after that, same situation. Um, my period comes like clockwork. Period showed up. I cramped. I cramped. I did not spot, but the day came and it went. I said, "You're joking." Let me go get a pregnancy test. Go get the pregnancy test. Go in the bathroom at work and take it, and it's positive. I go find one of my coworkers, and I told her, I said. I need you to come with me right now. We went to the stairwell and I bawled my eyes out. And she said, what is wrong? I was like, she was like, are you not happy? I was like, no, I'm happy. I'm happy. But it scared me because I went to the same mindset again. Like, oh my goodness, I got pregnant again. And now I'm scared, you know, for this baby. I'm scared for this baby. So I called my doctor called and set up an appointment and, you know, scheduled it out for eight weeks for that first, um, for that confirmation. And I was pregnant, but I took on the attitude with this pregnancy that I'm not going to let my last pregnancy define this one. So I tried to keep myself as calm as possible. I, you know, had breathing techniques. I made sure that I gave myself some peace and I just, I took care of myself this time. I didn't I don't want to say I didn't worry about my pregnancy, but I didn't worry about it. I didn't worry that I would lose this child. I didn't worry that I would, you know, that my baby is going to die inside of me. I didn't worry about that and I let it go. 
So I had a a good pregnancy. So we set up, we had, you know, we had already pre, um, pre, uh, pre done my C-section scheduling. So I was supposed to deliver September the 26th. My due date was October the 1st. Yes, it was October the 1st. And I turned around and it got closer and closer to pregnancy to the end of the pregnancy. So I'm probably about 34, 35 weeks. And so I'm back again, going to these appointments every week, twice a week. So I'm going in and doing my appointments and then coming back out. And one day I told her, I said, you know what? I said, I've been feeling a lot of pressure down there. And she was like, what do you mean? Like, I just have been having a lot of pressure. I was like, I understand that the baby's, you know, going head down and it's getting time. She was like, because the only reason why we scheduled my C-section is because they did not want me to go into labor with this one. Like I, um, they didn't want to do the, they didn't want the stress to happen with the baby and all of that. So I'd already had some incidences where I had already had to go to the hospital. I wasn't feeling good. I had fallen down the stairs one time during this pregnancy. I had, um, issues to where I just, I wasn't feeling good and it felt like I was, I just, I, I wasn't feeling good. So that was probably like the, maybe a month prior to me going in. So I had just had to calm down and let it go. And they finally sent me, you know, they find, I was like, can you just check to see if I'm dilated or not? And so that, that one week she checked, I was two centimeters. She was like, okay, well, usually when you're like that, you know, you usually don't progress like that you know usually people stay two centimeters for a whole another month or so a couple of weeks or up until delivery so I was like okay fine so following week I was like I'm still feeling this pressure and I feel like it's just getting worse um so she checked me again that day I was four centimeters she said oh no and I had already been going through like labor pain. So I had been having active contractions. They weren't consistent, but the day that I told her to check me, I had been having like some consistent contractions that day. So it was going like every 10 minutes or so. So by the time that I actually got to the office, it had boiled down to every five minutes. Mind you me, the day that this happened, it was Friday the 13th. I was like, Lord, and it was a, it was a full moon that night. So I was like, I, I can't do this. This this cannot be the night that, that triggers me going into the house. I was like, I don't want to have my baby on Friday the 13th. Like, just this whole bad omen. I don't want to have my baby Friday the 13th. And she pretty much was like, you're going to have this baby today. Um, So they kept me on a the monitor. They waited to talk to the physician at the hospital. And by this time, I think I had an early morning appointment. I was like, so I was supposed to leave and come back to work. <laughs> That didn't happen. So I wound up going. Um, I left the doctor's office. They were like, yep, just go ahead. We're just going to go ahead and induce you. And you'll go ahead and have your surgery tonight. Or depending on what the case may be, you might be having this baby tonight or it will be this weekend at some point. So, of course, they again, they did not want me going into full labor. So I called my husband and told him, hey, we got to go to the hospital. You know, it's time. Pretty much, and I went home, took a shower, calmed down, and uh, I kind of just waited out because getting from my house to the hospital during rush hour traffic was not going to be um, feasible. So I was like, you know what, we can just wait a little bit, and then we'll go to the hospital. Like I, I just, I really don't want to be trying to rest. So I took a shower, kind of just relaxed my mind, waited till my husband got home, 
and then we went to um went to the hospital get in the back room they hooked me up to the monitor um i had not eaten all day and they told me go npo just in case so i'm already i'm hangry i'm pregnant i'm in i'm having these labor pains and so they're monitoring, monitoring me, and then they tell me that, yeah, you're now about six centimeters, so we're just going to go ahead and induce you and prep you, and we're just going to have this baby tonight. So again, it's Friday the 13th, and I'm just, I don't want to have my baby tonight, but I'm kind of glad because I'm just, let's just get it over with. And by 10-22, at 22-22, Aaliyah was born. I was so happy and overjoyed like this time I was I was able to be coherent you know I woke up from surgery I had my baby my husband was there um my daughter my daughters were there my mom and dad were there so it was just overall it was just a a great night so Friday the 13th has been changed for me forever like my Friday the 13th baby is phenomenal to me and so that journey between there with my doctor telling me that I will never have kids on my own. And then another doctor telling me that, yeah, you won't be able to have kids on your own, but I'm going to get you pregnant is the thing that brought me so much joy. Because if it wasn't for me saying I'm fed up, I need to go somewhere else and find another, um, get another answer. Because if I wouldn't have done that, I don't think that I would have my babies. I honestly don't think that I would not in this capacity, not to where that I, I don't want to say I could control it, but I think me saying that I was tired, that I was fed up, that I need to get a definite answer and finding someone else to tell me would have changed. Would have, I don't think that would have ever changed my dynamic if I wouldn't have not reached out somewhere else. Cause like I said, I felt like I was not being serviced. I did not feel like I was being handled, you know, correctly. And I just felt that something just tugged me to, to that woman at that hospital for my grief counselor and tugged me to get to where I am now, because if not, I wouldn't be here with my two rainbows and they are the light of my life. Like my baby is going to be, my oldest is going to be three and the baby's going to be one this year. So it's been a journey to this point. Like being a new mom, being, you know, being in this space with these babies. And I want to be able to give somebody some hope of once again, like this is always going to ultimately be my goal with this podcast is to give somebody hope. I don't want anybody to feel that it's always the end. And sometimes the doctor will tell you something, but our higher power has a totally different plan for us. So I don't want you to give up I want you to at least give some glimmer of hope for yourself and don't be so hard on yourself in the situation it wasn't something that I expected to happen I had literally written off me getting pregnant I had accepted it even though he told me that he was going to get me pregnant I was just like okay I'll just let it go in that moment that I let go I got my blessing so today I just hope that you hear me and I hope you enjoy this episode about my rainbow babies and my stories of my in-between that got me to this point and I hope that you'll come back and hear me again next week 
So if you want to, you can go and follow me on Instagram. It's Lindsay Shay underscore MB and that's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-S-H-E-A underscore MB. And I hope to hear from you guys next week. Have a good one, y'all.